Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S O. L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. Well, hello everyone. And you join us here today. It is a new year and we're going to have some new conversations and with some new people too. Morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, good. 2023 is coming up roses, even if that's a lie. I'm sick of it already. Let's introduce someone else <laughs> to this conversation before we kill each other. James Britton McVeigh, how are you doing today? Uh, good morning. I'm very well, thank you. However, I did just battle through the new 2023 January gym users this morning, which um, I'm hoping will drop off quickly. <laughs> I hate that first week of January, mate. It's horrible. But other than that, I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> all the machines all ready and sweaty for you before you even get in. Lovely, lovely. Oh. Wait till yeah. Friday, it'll be fine. I hope so. <laughs> um, for our viewers and listeners who don't know who you are, James, why don't you introduce yourself? So my name is James Britton McVeigh. Um, I'm an OnlyFans professional and I also <laughs> like watches. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, uh, I, I'm a musician. I, I play um, guitar, uh, write songs, do backing vocals in a band called The Vamps. Um, and this is our 10th year doing it. So um starting to feel quite old in the industry. But the main point is I do love watches as well. Absolutely. And so you're here mainly to talk about watches, but Tom and I are both failed musicians. Uh, and so I imagine that we are both equally jealous of your achievements. You well, have... hang on, I haven't given up yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have played such venues as the O2. You've toured with uh, Taylor Swift, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. You right. have done the shiny metal when it with your records um which i can't remember which one gold um i uh, i'm gonna sound like a knob we have a few uh different (laughs) accolades so i don't know which one you're on about however i yeah i can't remember I, i think i think our meet the vamps album which was our first one is platinum um, I'm just looking at it again. I sound like an absolute knob, but uh, people won't be able to see this. But this is the only room I'm allowed to hang Vamps memorabilia <laughs> in. So I'm just looking around to see what's on the wall. We have a couple of gold singles and then basically that. I don't, I, I'll be honest, I don't know. Um, but I'm very lucky to be doing, yeah, as I say, the Vamps for 10 years, done a fair few tours, and uh, we're going to start our sixth album probably later this year. Um, but enough about my uh, my awards. I, uh, let, let's move on. <laughs> um, it's, it's utterly incredible what you've achieved. And um, like I said, I'm hugely jealous. But you're not just a fan of music. You're a fan of old things, aren't you? You like to collect old things. 
I do. Um, I I don't know where it started. I think it might maybe originate from when I was sort of six or seven. My dad made me watch the uh, the Longest Day, which is like a John Wayne. I think it's an early 60s or even maybe late 50s World War II movie, like black and white. And um, yeah. I loved it. And that kind of kick-started my love of, well, the D-Day landings primarily. But then that kind of spilt over into history in general. And it's led to me acquiring a few bizarre artifacts. Um, and if anyone wants a little laugh uh, whilst listening to this, go on my Instagram and see my reaction to opening a... Uh, ancient Egyptian artifact, which I was hoping was well going to be slightly larger than um, than it was. Uh, but I have a few weird things. Yeah. Do they not do a banana for scale with ancient Egyptian artifacts when you buy them? <laughs> well, you know what? What's funny actually with, with that? So there's a there's a website that's kind of like porn for nerds like me, and they sell stuff from all you know all across the eight like different ages and different um, parts of the world. Uh, and on most of the links to, to products you can buy, they do say the size. On, on this one in particular, it's like a little amulet. Um, it just says size and then it's like N slash A. And I was like, I don't really know what that means, but the picture's pretty good. It's like, it looks like it's a, you know, you could hold it at least. Um, and but you, you can't. So um, I've not got it out of the box since it, it arrived. <laughs> Oh, that is one of the funniest videos I've seen in a long time because you kind of know where it's going, but you have you have no expectation for where it actually ends up. So bad. Um, but you like watches too. You you have a you have a few watches. Um, we won't talk about all of them because I think you want to keep one for our primary conversation. But tell me a little bit how how you got into watches and where all that's at. Well, I think off the bat, um, I I'm not one of these collectors that necessarily knows loads and loads and i think i had these like these dreams when i started collecting four or five years ago that by this point i would be like aroused over different movements like 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 you are um (laughs) and and i i do find that interesting but i think i've realized what's the point in trying to like lie and and portray myself as someone i'm not so the reality is i have a very very enthusiastic uh father-in-law who is uh, well he's called steve and he's the reason that i got into into watches um and the first watch i purchased in 2017 was my rolex submariner date um and and i and i love it um and that kind of sort of opened that well it knocked on that door that then led to i think typically with with most of us in this watch world um a spiral into well watch loving oblivion um and now i have monthly arguments with my wife about purchasing well another grand seiko um or buying a new sofa (laughs) we literally had this argument yesterday um so I, i i you know i i think initially i was attracted to i guess the aesthetic of of certain watches but but not perhaps in in the way that a lot of people are, you know, where they look at like I don't know, uh, Richard Mille or or even like uh, you know like the latest Patek. I think maybe because I'm interested in older things, I'm drawn to things that maybe have a vintage look. So I, I kind of I know people that pe- people aren't necessarily um, overjoyed about that sort of fake patina look of of, of watches, but for me. Mm. I'm all about that. Um, and maybe also like other watch collectors, you can't necessarily afford, you know, like the, the 1655 Steve, Steve McQueen in inverted commas, Explorer yeah. 2. But 
you know you might be able to to get a Tudor that has a similar aesthetic. I'm kind of about I'm not going to spend 30 grand on a on, on like an old watch yet, but so I'm all about finding things that that kind of I feel something for and that's yeah. perhaps why the watches that I've acquired are maybe not the sort of like the go-to pieces in someone's collection. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's really cool. And it actually leads us very nicely onto the topic that we're going to discuss, which is watches that look much more expensive than they actually are. Uh, and since you're on a roll, James, why don't you start off with the watch that you're pitching to us as looking more expensive than it actually is? And and Tom and I will we'll, we'll just disagree with you for the sake of disagreement. <laughs> I, I don't know if you will disagree with, with my pick because everyone that I've seen speak about this has said it's their favourite launch. Well, it was their favourite Launchitude last year. I keep on thinking we're still in 2022. Um, people have probably guessed what it is. Uh, Black Bay Pro from Tudor, which for me, yeah. I as I said, I'm a sucker for, for older older explorers. Um, Explorer 2, sorry. And again, there's no way I'm going to spend, well, sort of north of 25 grand on on one so when the the pro came out it actually came at a really annoying time because i just bought my rolex explorer 2 which for me (laughs) as in like the latest i think this is 20 2022 yeah 2022 launch obviously not vintage but i was very 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 lucky to be able to get an explorer 2 at retail so i'm a big big explorer 2 fan and i was like thank i bought that that is me kind of stuck for the, another 18 months of arguing with my wife before I can get another watch and then all of a sudden Black Bay Pro drops and I was like oh no um, <laughs> and uh, I knew I had to have it I just I absolutely you know true GMT 39mm got the date for me it, it ticks every single box a bit of sort of fake patina numeric bezel I I love it I think for me it's it could be like a one watch collection piece and I knew I had to to have it it's come around the world with me and i i love it it's perfect and what's the price on the pro versus the explorer 2 so i mean you you're gonna probably struggle getting one at retail i think even still in fact i saw one in um in a shop the other day and for for actual sale and i was quite surprised but i think am i right in saying that you can get it depends on the configuration strap versus bracelet but i think you're starting around 3100 i may have just made that up around there early yeah. 3000s um yeah. but i mean i think you get a lot of watch for your money there but i think that if you're you know if we're speaking about that that vintage explorer 2 they i mean they were over 30 grand at one point i'm not sure where where they're at now but definitely over over 20 grand closer to 30 i'd imagine and i think that you can take the Black Bay Pro round the world if you want to, bash it up and not have to worry about damaging it in the same way that you would with that vintage Explorer 2. Yeah, true, definitely true of the vintage. The new Explorer 2 is still, if you can find it at RRP, like like you were lucky to do, it's still an £8,100 watch. Yeah, I actually uh, I got screwed there a little bit because I didn't realise that uh, I was having the 10% price rise. I put my name down and then by the time it came up, it was, <laughs> oh, that's another 600 quid or whatever it was. Oh, God. But you know what? You are you are right. I think for me, that's why, you know, I sort of hinted at it before. I'm not drawn to the to the go-to hype in inverted comma watches. I, I'm not fussed about Daytonas particularly. For me, the Explorer 2 and, you know, consequently the the black bay pro that's where i'm at so being able to have an explorer 2 and a black bay pro in my collection that kind of like ticks every box for me yeah and the fact that you've got both makes it a really interesting comparison for you to share on wearing one and wearing the other what are the differences that you notice that would make the rolex worth more 
aside from the fact that it says Rolex on the dial. Well, yeah, good point. I, I, I'm toying with the idea of doing one on each wrist and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, but I'm not that, I'm not that man. Um, I think it's, you know what, it's really, really tough to kind of pick between them. And actually, in a way, the fact that the Pro is slightly smaller, you know, 39 millimeters, I, I, I'm going to regret saying this. I actually think I prefer the Pro to, to the Explorer 2 that I have now. You know, it would be very different if I was comparing it to, to a vintage one, but I think it for me the pro wears easier. I think the Rolex, the Rolex, I love it. It is one of my favorite watches, but I just think the dial of the of the pro with, with that sort of like fake patina, I just it just works for me. I don't know why. I'm just looking at them both now, and for me, I find myself wearing the pro more than the than the Explorer Two, and also especially living in London. I know that there's a strong chance I might lose my arm at some point getting mugged for a Rolex. <laughs> and I think the Pro is a bit of... It's one of those watches that, I mean, to be fair, it does look like a like a, like a a Rolex, but you really have to know what you're stealing <laughs> to, to get a Pro off someone. I think a Rolex is a bit more, look at me, I'm wearing a Rolex. And I also like that as another point. It's slightly more understated that the Black Bay Pro, it doesn't feel like i'm wearing a rolex it feels like i'm wearing something cool a little bit niche and um and yeah as i say i find myself wearing the pro a lot more actually than the explorer 2 which really did surprise me one of the things that i really think works about tudor because rolex has gone storming off into the distance but at least they've left behind a crumb for people who like the vintage aesthetic because we see omega omega will dig into its back catalog and do reissues and it ends up with a bit of a, a muddled model line doesn't it where you can buy the modern speedmaster or the old style speedmaster Whereas Rolex has gone, right, Tudor is for the guys like us who like that vintage look. Um, and actually, I would say that the Rolex Explorer 2, when you look at the hands, they're really wide, aren't they? It's almost slightly cartoonish in a way. Um, and I'm the same. They're big words from you, for sure. But I think I agree. I think the the Pro is the better watch. I think we're all in agreement there that the, the Pro certainly punches well above its weight when it comes to cost. Um, Tom... What are you going to throw into the mix that you think looks more expensive than it is? Well, I thought I'd go for something a bit budget, but that's a Bobby Dazzler. <laughs> so um, I headed on over to uh, Seiko. Um, so I found something in the Presage line, which if you're aware of Seiko's various different collections, the Presage is something that offers traditional Japanese craftsmanship, you know. Mm. In particular, there's the, the cocktail time range. Very stupid name, but go on. Ah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's the the aviation, which is a confusing name for a watch. I think that's the name of the cocktail that it's supposed to, inspired by. But um, well, in Japan's swanky Ginzo region in Tokyo, they uh, they have cocktails every day at five in the communication hour or something. I don't know, but um, <laughs> seems like a pretty good pretense to hang a watch design on, don't you think? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. In fact, James, you're going to Japan soon, aren't you? I am, yeah. Uh, start of next month. Yep. Nice. Will you be uh, contributing to the cocktail time at 5pm in the whatever it was district? 5pm <laughs> is a little bit of a difficult time for me to start drinking because we don't go on stage until about 9 o'clock. So if I start at 5, I may not make it, um, which which has very nearly happened before to all of us in the vamps. Um yeah. I, yeah, I may be a virgin mojito or something at five o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a cool watch. Uh, Seiko, I think, really does 
well, they, they make so many watches but have this kind of Japanese attention to detail. So they've got the benefits of volume, but also the benefit of that obsession in making something good. I think Seiko is great. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people are hesitant to like go out of the whole Swiss watch world. And to be fair, I was, but um, I'm a huge fan of Grand Seiko and, and my father-in-law Steve is a huge Seiko fan. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited and I can see my kind of future watch journey going going over to Japan more than, than Switzerland, to be completely honest. I'm just looking at the dial of that that presage, Tom. Mm. It's so sophisticated, time. isn't it? It, it just lo- I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like, this is a £390 watch, so... I think we set a slightly different challenge for this particular watch. Dear viewer and listener, can you find a watch that looks more expensive than this one for this price or less? I think you'd struggle. I have to agree with you guys. I think, I think it's great. The dial is really interesting. Um, and you know the price point to, it, it's crazy like I, I I would have one of them genuinely I think I think they're I think it's lovely focus James focus you've got that goal you've got the gold watch you keep being distracted no, by other watches <laughs> I know I know <laughs> here's something I especially love about this presage cocktail time and this is incredibly Japanese you look at the case diameter it's not 39 millimeters it's not 40 millimetres. It's not even 39 and a <laughs> half millimetres. It's 39.52 millimetres. And they would yeah. probably say, or thereabouts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it wears like a 39.5 millimetre watch, though, I would say. <laughs> oh, what, a, what an absolutely legendary brand. Uh, and they really are kind of underpinning that affordable entry point. And do you know what? If it didn't say Seiko on the dial, because I think if someone saw that it said Seiko, they'd say, oh, it costs $100, and you'd be really annoyed. But the fact that everything else, if you took the Seiko badge off and you put Longines on there, for example, people would say it costs three grand. Yeah. Mm. So there's a very good shout, Tom. I am going to pitch a watch, and I think it's probably going to be a very, very predictable choice for a watch that looks more expensive than it is. Uh, Are you guys familiar with... The Christopher Ward C1 Bel Canto. Yeah, oh, that watch that you've been banging on about non-stop for the last month. <laughs> yeah, I think I heard of it. <laughs> All right, let me rephrase the question. Are you guys familiar with Christopher Ward? Oh, yes. Yes. I am indeed. But not as much as I am now. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. Christopher Ward, for me, was this thing that sat in the kind of the periphery. I knew yeah. they existed. I knew they did affordable watches. And in fact... James, they have a watch that is very much like the Explorer 2. Have you Mm. ever been tempted by them before? Yeah, well, again, I I feel like every time I do uh, anything watch-related, I mention Steve, father-in-law, a lot. He (laughs) he introduced me to Christopher Ward probably five years ago um and again i i being very new in the watch world i i wasn't aware of them but i was really really impressed i don't even know which one he one he has i can't remember um but i think he does have one that looks quite explorer 2 ish so yeah i i am very interested by them and he he is the sort of person that would say he wasn't happy with a with a purchase that he'd made if he wasn't and he he's really really impressed but i think this what um this launch from christopher ward is like i was just looking on on the website there and like their top their top kind of like press quote from uh on on this watch is from hype beast which is like that kind of shows they've they've like pushed yeah. the envelope a bit with this one and they're like you know what we're gonna do something slightly different for us and it could have gone either way it could have like we were sort of speaking before this weren't we that 
pictures are one thing but actually having one yeah. that that kind of sometimes you're disappointed um and i kind of i mentioned another uh release from last year that kind of i guess hype hype beast types would like and i think people that have got hands on with that particular watch were slightly disappointed with pushes falling off etc but this one it seems to have really really good good reviews um and i, I yeah i I'm, I'm rooting for the pro but i actually think that you you might have this one andrew you're absolutely right when you hold it you see it one of my first questions when i when i realized that yes they really were going to sell it for less than three thousand pounds and yes it really did have this quality when we spoke to mike france um the big boss at Christopher Ward. My first question was, how are you making money with this product? Because either you're making no money or the rest of the industry is making way too much. Mm. Yeah, it, it, that's the sort of thing. It's similar to what Seiko do where you go, hang on, how is this watch 400 pounds? Why aren't they all 400 pounds in that case? What's the secret? Why is this finally only just happening now? And, and when are we going to get some more of it? And why isn't everyone doing it? Yeah. Do you know what? I think we can double down this conversation as the perfect three-watch collection as well. Those three watches <laughs> together, you've got your dress watch, you've got your exploring watch, and you've got your complicated watch. I think that's yeah. it, isn't it? I think that's another point to say, is all three watches are kind of like cats amongst pigeons, aren't they, really? Like, you look at, especially the Christopher Ward, and you sort of, you were alluding to that time, but like, how how have they done it? And then you look at some other companies that do similar things for, like, genuinely 10 20 30 times the price and you're like ouch like you're screwing us over a bit when you can get something for for, you know under three grand or whatever i think it's a really amazing move from christopher ward and i i like people and companies that are like you know what let's disrupt the market a bit and for me i think you're going to have a lot of people that maybe haven't even heard of christopher ward but see this on like the explore page whilst they're scrolling on instagram and their and their initial sort of reaction is that looks amazing regardless of who makes it i'm interested and then when you you know you realize oh it's christopher ward then it's just they're, they're kind of like yeah moving the needle a bit aren't they with this and i and i think they're going to get a lot of new fans i'd be interested in seeing moving forward uh, whether they can retain this new fan base. I, I'm intrigued to see what's coming next, whether there'll be like another version of this or whatever, but I think it's a great move from, from Chris Ward, but also Tudor and Seiko as well. I think uh, all three uh, companies have probably got a lot of new fans with, with each of these launches. Yeah, three completely different brands coming at it from completely different angles um, to achieve a similar sort of goal, which is parting people like us with our money. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well, there you have it. Those are three watches that really do pack in a lot of bang for the buck. Um, thank you, Tom. And thank you so much, James, for joining us. It's been uh, an, an awesome privilege and pleasure to have you come and talk watches with us. Um, we're going to put links in the description to your Instagram, Spotify, Apple Music. But what are you up to next that you want people to know about? Uh, well, first of all, thank you very much, both of you, for having me. Um, big, big fan. And uh, for me, this is kind of like a little, a little dream to be part of hopefully join the the watch community um and i feel very welcomed uh but so what's next so i go to australia in a couple of weeks to start the world tour leg of the vamps 10 year anniversary um tour and then um there might be a little bit of uh, new released music um but perhaps not what fans of the vamps would be expecting um and then as i said earlier maybe start album six talks at the end of the year so a busy 2023 um and i i'd be lying if i if i 
said that the main uh, yeah there's not be any more watches this year i already know that i'm going to get a couple more so i'll keep you updated and uh, we'll speak about them in a future episode hopefully uh, again thank you so much it has been a real pleasure um we'd love to have you on again talking more about watches in the future and if you have a question for a real live music person who plays actual instruments and people pay for him to do that. If you've ever had any interest in, in that and have any questions about that, pop them in the description below because I have been bombarding James for the last two weeks with like, well, what's it like when you do this? What's it like when you do that? And it is all absolutely fascinating. Um, and until next time, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Me. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L. L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.